All right, welcome in week seven of the Dream Preview College Football Edition. I am AJ Hoffman. He is Taylor McCard. Taylor, how you doing, man? Good. What a what a weekend of college football. That was pretty unbelievable. Boy, and they were the, yeah. the, the the internets were they were loving you after that Charlotte win. It was a uh, big start. People <laughs> love when you win a standalone game in the middle <laughs> of the week. That'll make them feel real good. And then it all went so horribly wrong. Yeah, it was good to get my one win of the weekend out of the way on Friday so I could go 0-3 on Saturday, capped off by Virginia Tech's – I mean, I spent – I told you this off air, the the opening kickoff, first drive of the game, I'm like, I got this. Virginia Tech will go 2-2 two and two this weekend. Felt good about this pick, and they did everything in their power to lose that game. Notre Dame wanted to lose that game so badly, and Virginia Tech found a way to lose, so – uh, both, other than that, I enjoyed watching the football. The entertainment value of the weekend was unbelievable. Well, we will get into the uh, we'll get into our our updated standings uh, when we get into the pick segment of the show. But I, I'm with you on that. I, I've listen. Just truth is, I'm I'm always looking for Notre Dame to lose. I'm for it. Uh, I would have appreciated it. I. Virginia Tech ran out of quarterbacks. The guy they're going to be playing against Pitt this week. By the way, Pitt, that number's rising. I, I don't know if you, I don't know if it's still in range for me, but it's it, it it's it's probably I think it's five now. I, I'm I might play it to six. I mean, Virginia Tech doesn't have anybody who can who can throw the football. That's going to be a problem in a football game. You you might need that. Uh, but we'll get into our picks a little bit later on. Let's start with the latest. Uh, the, I mean, listen, the, the mighty fell Alabama falls. And I guess let's start there before we get into the odds, the new odds for the national champion, but Alabama had a hundred game winning streak versus unranked teams that ended against A&M on Saturday, which is, I, I don't even know how to put that in perspective other than to tell you like, the next best was 73. The next best in history was 73. And that was Florida from 1990 to 2000. So the second best run of beating unranked teams, they beat them by 27. I mean, this is just an unprecedented run of dominance for Alabama, which is, I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to imagine that, right? Yeah, well, you touched on some of the, the records. It's more been, and I think this goes back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. For college football for a while now, it's been the usual suspects. It's been, you know, we've expected five, maybe six teams to have a real shot at it. And you just came to expect Alabama to be the anchor. And this this shook that. I think that was the biggest thing is how jarring this loss was. This was the exact opposite. I said it a week or maybe two ago on, on our podcast. I give Alabama the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. And I thought that they would roll AM in this game. I thought they'd likely cover a, a pretty wide spread on the road. And that's what stood out most to me is just how jarring it was. And you could feel uh, everybody, obviously, watching the game, but looking through Twitter, looking at the reaction around the country, people wanted A&M to win this game because we just hadn't seen it before. It's good for the sport when things like this happen to shake things up. But it can't be overstated 
this run by Nick Saban in college football to have a vice grip on you know, that level of dominance in college football is so hard to do. Look at what's happened with Clemson this year. I mean, they were right there neck and neck almost for the better part of eight years, six, seven, eight years. And they've taken a, a down, a very clear step down this year, maybe two steps down. So, you know, Alabama, we're not writing their, their obituary yet. They're still very relevant and have, you know, the second in odds right now to make the playoff. Um, but it was, it was a game that you just kept waiting, kind of like what happened in the Texas OU game. You just kept waiting on Alabama to figure it out. And that third quarter was so bad for A&M that I thought, okay, they've turned the corner. That'll be that. And they never did it. And A&M fought back. Zach Calzada played out of his mind. And what can you say? It was the entertainment value of that game was off the charts. Well, the the odds change. Alabama goes from plus 160 to win the national title to plus 250. Georgia, they go from plus 175 to plus 125. So strong favorite now in Georgia. And then you get down to Ohio State, 8-1, to one, Oklahoma, 16-1, to one, Iowa, 25, Cincinnati, 28, Michigan, 30. And I, we can probably stop there, I feel like. I, I, I feel like if somebody outside those seven teams has win, wins a national title, then the sky is falling. Although, I, I, you know, I think there's something to be said for Wake Forest, who's finally listed, their odds are listed at plus one or at 150 to one. Wake Forest, if you look at their remaining schedule, could go undefeated in the ACC. And I think you have to put an undefeated ACC champion in, no matter who it is. And they they would be able to go undefeated without beating a top 25 team, which is pretty unreal. But, I, I mean, as long as we're still considering the ACC a Power 5 conference and Wake Forest runs the table in it, do they not have to get into that thing? Yeah, they, I think they would, and I think they the, the game this weekend with NC State and BC means a lot because that's their only opportunity left to have a, a win over a ranked opponent. But you're right, Duke, North Carolina, North Carolina has completely fallen off the wagon. NC State is the big one, and then I still think Cle winning at Clemson, if they were to beat Clemson second to last game of the year, I think that still carries weight, and that's going to be a win that – when you look back on the totality of the year, I think that's something you could hang your hat on, not as your number one win, but that is an important win. And then they go on the road to BC as well, which has proven to be, you know, not a, that's an above average ACC team. And then you got to win the conference champion, conference championship as Pitt. well, which would be Pitt and would be another good win. And so I agree with you. I don't think, um, you know, the, the, the school that you would be or the, the conference that you'd really be going up against in all likelihood is a one loss big 10 team that it would have run the table losing the big 10 championship. And I think I agree with you. They would put in an ACC, an undefeated ACC champion over a one loss big 10 team. I think that's the most likely scenario of who you'd really be going up against. And just for you know, argument's sake, I think that team would obviously go in over an undefeated Cincinnati as well. Well, let's, let's get into this because I, I, I feel like there is a, a, a less than zero possibility of two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams making the playoff and no one else. And America will be pissed. But 
I mean, there is a, a scenario where that could be the case. Uh, if, if Alabama were to win out and beat, you know, Georgia in the SEC championship, both of them have one loss. They're both in for sure. And if Iowa makes it to the Big Ten championship game against a one-loss Ohio State or a one-loss Michigan and loses that game and they've got one loss, I think there's going to be an argument to be – or if there's an unbeaten Michigan who loses to Iowa and that's their one loss, I think they could get it. So, we're, I mean, there could be a scenario where the national championship playoffs are filled up by two conferences. Am I out of my mind to think that that's a real possibility? No, it's not. That's a very realistic possibility. It's really going to hinge on Iowa. And, you know, I would just add also, we talked about the entertain, how entertaining that this past weekend was. Part of what has got people so invigorated right now is you have teams that you don't normally talk about that it feels very real that they could make the college football playoff. I mean, look at Wake Forest's schedule. It's not out of the realm of possibility they could do it. Iowa, same thing. Arizona State, I don't think they will, but it's possible. Now, to come back to reality, the team, four of the top five out of the top five teams with the highest probability of still making the college football playoff, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma. There is still a chance that you end up with the same four teams minus Clemson that we normally see. I mean, that could still happen. And after this entire run of how exciting it is to talk about these teams that don't normally have a chance. We still end up with the usual suspects, but exactly like you talked about, I think it hinges from the big 10 on can Iowa keep doing what they're doing in this back half of their schedule in the big 10 West. That is just so poor. I mean, their, their challenges remaining winning at camp Randall is, is always difficult to do. I still think Wisconsin is going to give them a, a run for their money, but they should win that game. The issue that I would bring up for Iowa is they have they have relied so heavily on turnovers. That, to me, is a concern for an upset down the line against a team that they would have no business losing to. Because if a team comes in there and holds, their, holds Iowa's offense, which is not going to be that difficult to do, and they don't turn the ball over themselves, that's a recipe for the number two team losing to a, a 500 Big Ten team. I mean, that could, that could happen. But make no, make no mistake, I, I think Iowa is a fraud. I'm not trying to say they're one of the four best teams in the country, but I'm saying that there's a there's a path to them being no, I, completely. And, and the the biggest reason why is because the back half of their schedule is really bad. They should yeah. win out in the Big Ten West from here on out, and then play Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State in the Big Ten champ or Michigan State. I'm sorry, in the Big Ten championship. So if that happens and they have one loss and they play that team close. And the champion of the Big Ten also has one loss. And then you have Bama run the table from here on out, beat Georgia. That's your final four. It's going to be really difficult to vault one of those one-loss teams. And it's not going to be the one-loss champion of the, of the SEC. So, or loser of the SEC in Georgia, sorry. The, the unlikely scenario here also is that the Pac-12 champion is undefeated. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, but – that would be the only scenario. And then the other thing we talked about also is the ACC. Do you put in if Iowa loses and it's a close game and they have one loss? That's, I mean, you talk about an uncomfortable conversation. Forget Cincinnati. For that playoff committee, do you put in an undefeated ACC champion this year over a close one-loss Big Ten team that has 
I believe it's five top 10 teams right now. So there's still obviously a ton of football to play. Hell, a week ago, we were talking about, hey, let's let's pump the brakes just a little bit on crowning and crowning Alabama and Georgia. And look what happened. They went out and laid an egg against a team that they still should have beat. Um, so still a, a ton that's out there. But no, it's to, to land the plane on this. It's not out of the question to have your final four be two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams. What's wild is, I mean, Alabama's out of wiggle room. And if you had Alabama over an, over 11 and a half win tickets, those are dead. I mean, there, there is no room for error for Alabama anymore. If they lose to Georgia, if they lose, if they lose, the, you know, leading up to Georgia, if they lose to Auburn, which is unlikely, but if they do, there's no, no playoff for Alabama. And we could have what everybody's been saying they want, a playoff with no Alabama and no Clemson for the first time in a long, long time. Well, and that goes back to what I was saying a minute ago. People get tired of – that's part of why the NFL works so well is you get – you know, you have your dynasties, obviously, with teams like the Patriots. But part of what makes the NFL so interesting is you have teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars playing in the AFC Championship out of nowhere. Well, you don't have that in college football because it's an arms race and there's really only about 15 or 20 teams that can realistically say they have a shot at it every year. And this year feels the most wide open since that insane 2007 season that had Kansas and Rutgers and South Florida in the mix. And that's right now, if you look at teams that have a, a realistic chance at this, I mean, to, to be able to say again, that Michigan is relevant. I know that's one of the, the power blue blood programs out there, but that feels exciting to talk about and fans want to talk about that. And so if Alabama does slip up again I don't think they will in the regular season but they could and then certainly if they lose you talk about not having any wiggle room and they lose to Georgia they're out Clemson's out now you've got I don't care who it is you're gonna have somebody get in the mix that we don't normally see and I think that's good for the health of the sport is Georgia in the same kind of danger that Alabama was in and obviously it's, it's easy to say that now that we know that they lost because it didn't feel like they were in danger but it, Georgia's remaining schedule their next three games are home games Kentucky Florida and Mizzou and I still think Florida I mean Florida scared Alabama they're they're a scary team then they're at Tennessee then they've got they've got Charleston Southern poor Charleston Southern and Georgia Tech uh at Georgia Tech to wrap up the season is Georgia, based on what you've seen so far, are they at the same risk that Alabama was of being upset? There's only one team remaining on their schedule that I think poses a serious threat to them, and I actually think it's Tennessee. And the reason I say that, Georgia's front seven deserves every everything that's being said about them right now is warranted. Their front seven is unbelievable. And you saw you've seen a couple times this year already with teams that like to run the ball. It just completely shut that aspect down. Well, I know we're going to get into this in a little bit. Expect more of the same this week against Kentucky. Certainly expect more of the same when they go on the road and play Florida. Tennessee, however, looks like they're actually a competent team again. They actually look like, okay, they're, especially on the offensive side of the ball, the way that they can mix in tempo and stretch the field vertically I think if there was a game that they could win, you go into a hostile environment, that place is, if Georgia's still undefeated, which they should be, that place is going to be nuts. Going into Knoxville, 
that's a game I could see them, you know, world, you know, perfect scenario, they lose that game. I don't think they will, but if there was one left on the schedule that I think could be the one that slips them up, I think it'd be that one. It's funny. I, I mean, I, I, I think a, a lot of people have said this to me that, you know, yeah, at Georgia, we know they can't, we know they stop the run, but what happens when a team passes it around on them? Georgia's number one in the country per PFF in coverage. I mean, their secondary is as elite as their front seven. I mean, they're, they're great. This may be, and it's, I mean, it's, listen, it's six games in, but it may be a historically great defensive unit. Like yep. it may be one that we like, what, whatever you think of what LSU's offense was two years ago or Alabama's two years ago, it may be that on the defensive side. It, it's like, it, it's a, it's cartoonish. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable the kind of talent and really the scheme that they're using right now. And, and, and they do, they don't take plays off no matter how much they're up. It's, it's a point of pride to them to not let you score. I, I mean, you could see when Auburn scored their touchdown, you could see those Georgia, they, they were pissed. They were pissed that they let, they let them put a seven on the board. And that was the end of it. They didn't put up another drop in that game. They dominated the rest of that game. I don't know if Tennessee is balanced enough to beat them because I know Tennessee wants to go out there and chuck the ball around. I, I don't know if that works against this team. I, I don't know. I don't know anything. I, I don't know if anything works against this team, to be honest. And I, I've, I told you a couple of weeks ago, I would like, I've wanted to put Georgia ahead of Alabama in my power ratings. And I just couldn't because it's Nick Saban and it's Kirby smart and one owns the other historically, but this was the week. I've, I mean, obviously with the loss, I, I think everybody who was on the fence had to do it, but I, I mean, this, this Georgia team is just as good, if not better than that Alabama team felt a week ago. Uh, and think about this, Georgia, the last two weeks when they've gone out and, and really had statement wins uh, against Arkansas and then at Auburn, they did that with a backup quarterback. <laughs> That's the crazy part is it, like they, they beat those teams by a combined score of 71 to 10 with a backup quarterback. And mind you, they've got a better backup quarterback than, than most teams in the country have starters, uh, you know, Stetson Bennett's, uh, it would probably be a top 25, 30 starter in college football, but Man, it's it is fun to watch them play defense. It's fun to watch them run the ball. I, I, I'm this is you know you talked about like excitement being breathed into the sport. Like it's fun to see a team that's not Alabama. I, I enjoy it more than others. Like when Alabama and Clemson just dominate, I love to see greatness. But it is kind of fun to see it wearing a different uniform for once. Yeah, I make no mistake about it. What. Alabama, we talked about it at the open, what Alabama has done, what Clemson did there for a while. And, and I, I do think they'll be back, but they certainly won't be this year. I agree. You've got to marvel at those, that stretch of, of college football championships where you had Alabama and Clemson. The quarterback play in those games was unbelievable. And that's part of what we're missing this year, frankly, is and, and why the Heisman odds look the way they do is there isn't a Trevor Lawrence out there running around. There isn't a Kyler Murray running around. There isn't a Tua. And so you, you got to respect and appreciate greatness when you see it, but that's the same thing we're talking. I mean, Georgia's given up 33 points in six games. I mean, that's like 85 bears stuff. So no, yeah. I think, 
I remember at the time thinking during LSU's national championship season, if they keep doing what they're doing to the teams that they're playing, this will be one of the greatest teams ever. And it, it, that's what it proved to be. What they did against who they played made them one of the greatest college football teams of all time. And the exact same thing can be said about Georgia. And that's not just a, a it's not a hot take. That's not trying to say something. It's not clickbait. That's real. If Georgia runs the table and they keep the, the defensive performances that they're putting out right now, you're going to put them up against any defense that's ever played the sport going back to, you know, the modern era, modern era of football, especially where it's spread offenses and, you're, you're, you know, we're not comparing teams back to when everybody ran the triple option in the fifties, but what they're doing is unbelievable. And, and the last thing I'll say, I know what you were talking about, Hey, look, I'm not saying I was, they're going to make the playoff. Well, that's what I, same point for me with Georgia. I don't think it's likely that they lose a game but it's going to, if they run the table from here on out, it will be on the back of their defense. And at some point, they are going to have to get their one quarterback healthy because I don't think there, there will come a time that Stetson Bennett, you need, you need to have JT Daniels in there over Stetson Bennett. Let's get to Oklahoma, who's kind of flying under the radar, I guess, and probably because they've won five games against power five well not against power five against D- division one you know F- fbs competition by a total of five points per game they flirt with losing every week they they almost lost to Tulane. They, they almost lost to west virginia like they're almost losing every single week so i get why there's not the buzz about them that there is about georgia who's going out and and pushing people's shits in every week it's a different it's a different vibe for sure but Oklahoma is still 6-0. and They're coming off their biggest win of the season against a Texas team that everyone was excited about. And I, they may be better with Casey Thompson than they were with Spencer Rattler. That could be sort of the catalyst that wakes OU up. Because I, I don't get the Spencer Rattler vibe, like that, that he's great. I, this Casey Thompson kid, I, I don't know if he's – you know, if he's as good as Baker or, or some of these other guys that they've had roll, roll through there, Kyler Murray, but he sure looks like he's got kind of that magic that OU quarterbacks under Lincoln Riley have had. Doesn't he? You know, what stands out to me about this situation is not even really what's happening on the field. I, in this, some of this was on Twitter. Some of this was just watching with my own eyes how he interacts with his teammates and how his teammates interact with him speaks volumes to me. And that's what tells me that they've moved on from him. I know Lincoln Riley is still, I don't know why he's doing this, but is still saying they have, they're not going to name a starter yet. It's not Spencer Rattler anymore. I mean, he's in college. You don't see it very often like this, but he's truly lost the team. And I know the fan base certainly doesn't want him in there as well. When you have the student section and there's been a lot made of the student section cheering for his backup. I think they've got to move on. I don't think there's a way that you can put him back out there. Um, You've seen a couple of reports this week that he is running with the twos. I can't imagine they trot him back out there to be the starter. Uh, But to me, again, the biggest thing is it just looks like his teammates rally. It's very similar to what's going on in Austin when, when they made the change to Casey Thompson, that team felt like they came alive. Like they really 
the, the, some of that feel you just have to watch with your own eyes and see for yourself. It's not just on the field. Some of the plays that were made after Rattler got benched were balls that just got put up in the air that were 50-50 balls, and they were lucky that Texas DBs didn't play them very well. So who knows what's going to happen moving forward. But to me, it looks like a guy that has truly almost lost the locker room, and his teammates don't even want him back out there. Well, speaking of Texas, let's jump into some of the big games this week. And Oklahoma State, undefeated Oklahoma State, 5-0. and They're at Texas. Texas is a five-and-a-half-point favorite right now. What, what, do you, what do you have on this game? What's, what I struggle with in this game is that Oklahoma State is just not a very good offensive team. And their performances to this to this point in the season, I mean, they average less than 400 yards of total offense a game. And, and some of the teams that they struggled putting away, you, sh- you needed more offensive performance. I said it last week and I got torched. If I was going to have a play in this game, I actually like the under again. Uh, but – I don't see Oklahoma State scoring enough to keep up in this game. Right now, especially in the passing game, I went back and looked at some of the tape against Tulsa earlier in the year. I mean, that was a it was a gross performance in that game. The only thing that I would add as a caveat that you know, maybe a concern is what sort of hangover is there for Texas after that collapse? Do they come out with a spark and realize, hey, look, we should have won that game and we are talented enough to to run the table here and potentially get into the big 12 championship. But man, Oklahoma state right now on offense, their their defense playing at a high level on defense, but some of the offenses that they've gone up against, I don't think really challenged them. So 11 AM kick in Austin. I like Texas to win this game. I I expect them to bounce back. Uh, These are usually positions that Sark teams actually do pretty well after a loss, but I don't know. I, that's the piece that I struggle with most is Oklahoma State's offense just isn't very good. Yeah, they're they're winning games with defense, which is kind of the opposite of what they've been, you know, in the, what their identity has been the last several years. Uh, but it, this is going to be a real test for them. They are 107th in tackling per PFF. That's a problem when you're going up against Bijan Robinson. The the, yep. the number one rushing attack in, per PFF is Texas. Uh, I said this on Twitter, and someone came at me like I was like throwing out a hot take. So I'll say it here, just because I, I you know, it's I'm, I've separated my eyes from it now for a few days, and I still think it it might be true. Now there may be some defensive players that I'm not thinking about, but I think Bijan Robinson might be the best college football player. Like he's not, he's probably not going to win the Heisman now because he's a running back a, but he's, he's on a team that's lost two games and and may lose more. But I don't know if there's a guy that's as fun to watch or as explosive as that dude. And it, he gives me a serious Reggie Bush vibe. Like he's just, he's got like a, it's almost, he's, he's on the field with guys that he shouldn't be on the field with. It feels like. We, I think we were texting about this during the game, but some of the things I was down on the field and this was against Rice. So I, I understand that competition is a lot different than what he was doing against OU. But early in that game, when Rice was coming out, giving him their absolute best effort, he was throwing off defensive linemen. I'm not talking about secondary and, and linebackers, but his lower half was so powerful. He's throwing off the defensive linemen and it wasn't just against Rice. I mean, he's done that against everybody he's played against. And his change of direction, I mean, that one-step burst, you saw that against OU in the clip that 
went viral and, and was sent around millions of times. He starts out to the right and he sticks his foot in the ground two times going back to his left. That level of explosiveness, it reminded me, uh, it was that that highlight, like you said, you know, of, of Reggie Bush. That's what it was compared to. But a lot of it reminds me of Saquon Barkley. A lot of those super explosive runs with a guy that just looks like if you hit him, you're going to disintegrate. He's got, I, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman at this point because I do think there's a, a loss or two left on the, in the regular season for Texas. But, man, I think he, of anybody that looks pro-ready on at an offensive position right now in college football, I would say Thibodeau may be the, the, a better you know, pro-ready pass rusher and a better you know, ready-to-go pro, so to speak. But I think Bijan's right behind him. Yeah, and he's a sophomore. I mean, it, it's yep. it's. You get another one. Yeah, I mean, he he. Some of the runs that he had against Oklahoma, some of the runs he had against uh, TCU last week, uh, some of the runs he had against Texas Tech. I mean, he and Rice. I mean, you're, you're right. Level of competition and all, but but uh, he he averaged almost ten yards a carry in that game. Yep. It, it, it's he's on a different level than everybody. He is fun to watch. I think, I think Oklahoma state's going to have real problems with him. And as good as he's been, Casey Thompson has been, he's, you mentioned this earlier. He's, he's changed the game for this team. He leads the big 12 in so many offensive categories. And you, you wouldn't think it because, I mean, it's like, it's not, I mean, when you think of Texas offense, you think of B. John Robinson, it's the, they're, they're very run heavy, but he leads the Big 12 in passing efficiency, touchdown passes at 14, yards per completion at 14.8, yards per attempt at 9.95, and points responsible for at 107. I mean, he is he's turning into a weapon too. This Texas offense, by the, by the time the season is over, this is going to be a serious, serious thing, man, this offense. They, they're legit. Yeah, and what Sark has done very quickly is made them – they've gotten rid of – under Herman, there were so many times where it felt like – and I, I get saying this after the collapse will sound a little bit silly, but so often under Herman, the pre-snap penalties, the turnovers in situations where you can't have them a la the kick return fumble in the fourth quarter against OU – but so quickly in year one, it feels like Sark has already brought a level of intensity when you watch them that they're going to be in every game that you don't feel like you don't get the impression outside of this game against OU that they're just going to give one away. That's honestly what surprised me most is that they did. I thought they would put that game away. I thought in the fourth quarter, you'll get another drive or two and they'll slam the door on this thing. That's youth that they're going to, I, I do think Texas will overcome and I hesitate to jump on the bandwagon, but with everything they have coming back and some of what they have coming in recruiting as well on the defensive side, would not be surprised if this year or if this time next year we're talking about an undefeated Texas team that's going to end the, the playoff picture. If they would have won this game against Oklahoma, I, I think I would have bought some Texas stock because yep. it, it, like they're the, the, the mojo that they would have taken out of that game would have just been unbelievable. Uh, and and we'd probably be looking at them as a, a seven point plus favorite against Oklahoma State this week, and and I don't know if I'm comfortable with that, but I, I do think that they they would have had a a nice solid run and maybe maybe been in the conversation at the end of the season uh, for for a playoff team. So that was a disappointing loss for them certainly. I, I obviously they've got some things to figure out defensively, uh, tackling. 
yeah, it, it's it, it can't just be running into people and hoping they fall down. Um, but I, again, I think that's a, a coaching thing. And I, I think that gets cleaned up. I, I think there's a, a, a pretty high ceiling with Sarkeesian at, at Texas. So I, I think we agree on that. Yeah. I, again, I'm based here in Austin. So I'm this one, I'm a little more up close and personal with this one, but Herman, the entire time he was at Texas made them feel illegitimate. It just, they gave off this impression that it, everything was phony. It, it's a fraud. Anytime there was one step forward, you expected a step back. And in a pretty short amount of time, that has gone away. And I'm not saying that Texas is going to win a national championship under Sarkeesian. But what I am saying is they feel like they're relevant again and that they're not going to go away. That, that by this time next year, again, give them another year in the system, allow – bring Bijan back like we talked about and they've they've got to improve the defensive side of the ball especially I said it a second ago tackling open field tackling rallying to the football the little things that on the defensive side especially in the big 12 if you don't do that you're going to give up 40 or 50 a game and that's exactly what you saw against OU and then I'll say it again the decision to bring out that kick with a true freshman when the all the momentum was on OU's side from six yards deep blew my mind. And I think that to me, that late in the game, that stuck out to me as, as a coaching decision that I was like, what is, what is going through your head to allow him to bring that out right now? But I do think going back to this matchup this weekend, I think Texas is the better team. They're playing at home. And frankly, I don't trust Oklahoma state's offense enough to stay in this game. Let's look at Auburn at Arkansas, the Hogs, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Are you surprised by that number, first of all? I am. I really am because you know, one of the things that jumped out to me and before their, this last two-game stretch, two losses, they were giving up 123 on the ground. Everybody was talking about well, it's such a, a dominant run defense. Well, the last two weeks, they've given up 273 and 324 on the ground. So pretty quickly that narrative changed. And that's what worries me going into this week is you're playing a quarterback. Bo Nix against this team, I think, will look more like what we saw against LSU. You know, the comp going back to last week against Georgia, I just don't think is fair because nobody's going to look good against Georgia like we, we touched on a minute ago. I don't like this number at all. I think it's it, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I, I really think that field goal is in favor of really just that they're at home for Arkansas. Um, KJ Jefferson much improved last week in the passing game, but this is still a team that for Arkansas, they've run more than they've passed on the season, just in totals. That's yeah. their identity. Are they going to be able to do that consistently against Auburn? I'm not sure. This really comes down in this game. And this, you could say this really every week for Auburn, which version of Bo Nix do you get? And he has to go on the road, which also scares me similar to Matt Corral. When you talk about, his being efficient and his turnovers on the road versus being at home really drops when he goes on the road. But if they get the version of, uh, of Bo Nix again, that played against LSU and willed them to win in that game, I think Auburn wins this game. Yeah. I, I think that Arkansas being at home is big first of all. And I think that Auburn, you're right. They're great against the run. They're bad against the pass. LSU, Vandy, Tennessee, that's the only teams that have given up more passing yards than Auburn in the SEC. And you saw Georgia, who's been so run heavy all season long. You saw them throw the ball. 
They, they, I, it was kind of surprising to me. And, and my, my biggest bet this whole weekend was the team total over on, on Georgia. And when they came out throwing the ball, I was like, Oh boy, this is, it's already, it's already cashed because they, they were moving the ball so easily without even threatening to run the ball. I think you could see kind of the same thing from Arkansas. I, I think you could see this Arkansas team, which obviously they want to run just like Georgia wants to run. But if it's there, I, I think if, and if Arkansas is smart and I, you know, I, I think they're well coached. I like what they're doing there. I think that they can make some things happen through the air. And then it, Auburn can't run the ball. You know, the Georgia Ole Miss, all the success they had against Arkansas was running the football. We went into this season thinking, oh, Tank, Tank Bisbee, Jarquez Hunter, this is going to be a really good running football team. And they're just not. So I, I don't know what's going on with, with Auburn's offense. Like, I, I guess when you see these flashes of Bo Nix, you, you kind of want to lean on them. But they're not the kind of offense that I thought they were going to be early in the season. And I think Arkansas, we, we've, it's hard to tell what they are right now because these last two weeks were just such crazy results. I mean, they got blown out by the best team in the country. Okay, that's going to happen. Are, are they better than Ole Miss? I mean, do they? How, how many times out of ten do they win that? I feel like probably four, but it, it's it's close. Uh, so I feel like maybe we're maybe it's a discount on Auburn and or on uh, Arkansas. And if it gets down to a three, which I doubt it does, but if it does, it it might find its way into my portfolio this week. I I, I think at three and a half, it's probably just going to sit there. But if if we see a three, I may grab some Arkansas. Yeah, I, one other thing, just going through notes on this game, the narrative, reading stories on both teams, Arkansas was everyone's darling, and Auburn it feels like the exact opposite. And I'm not exactly sure why. I think some of it is, is I don't think the media really loves Bo Nix, but Bo Nix and Auburn, after they lose to Penn State and then after they barely survived Georgia State at home, everybody kind of put them away, put them to the side and rode off Auburn completely. Whereas Arkansas comes out and they're everyone's darling. They beat A&M, they beat Texas, and then they get their doors blown off the last two weeks. This to me is sort of the reset game. This is the game that for the rest of the season, you sort of figure out, okay, who's who, what are you really? Was it appropriate to give up on Auburn when we did at the time? And this just isn't a very good football team or do they beat Arkansas in this game? And then we say, okay, Arkansas, we, we had overhyped them at the time. So that this really is a measuring stick for the back half of the SEC slate for me. Well, I, th I think there's something to Auburn in the games that they've had an opportunity. Like, let's just say both these teams, if, if we say Arkansas lost to the, the two teams they should have lost to uh, in, in Georgia and Ole Miss, and you could say the same thing for Auburn. They lost to teams that they should have lost to. They lost to Georgia. They lost at Penn State. Arkansas has had other games, Texas, Texas A&M, where they showed you that what they can do. And in the show me games, like, don't tell me about Akron. Akron's like one of the five worst teams in the country. But Georgia State, who's probably somewhere in the 90s, they, they struggled with. LSU, who... Let's face it, LSU is not good. LSU, but they may be a sub 500 team this year. And it's, I mean, it's a nice win because it's at LSU. Yeah, that's the only thing I would say about the LSU win is that 
I think is what broke their spirit for the rest of the year. That was at eight o'clock at night. The opening of that game, they came out. That was the best effort you were going to get for LSU the rest of the season. I actually think that that win at the time, you have to look at when they played them. If they played them that week versus in November, it's a you very right. different game. But I, I think this is a this is the this is them going on the road against a team that's at least I think equal to them or about equal to them. So I, I'm I'm interested to see how they respond. Uh, and I, again, I'm not looking to lay three and a half, but I'm 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 not I don't trust the Tigers. I, I don't trust I don't trust what they're doing. And Arkansas is so multiple on defense. They they change things up so much. He, it's going to make it hard on Brian Harson. He's a smart guy, but I, it's he's it's not going to be easy for him certainly. All right, let's get into uh, the last of our main slate, which this line is doing some crazy things. Kentucky at Georgia, and normally we're not going to talk about games where there's such a huge line, but this is two undefeated SEC teams, uh, the number one team in the country versus the number 11 team in the country. Just so happens the line is large. And it was, earlier this week, it was 24 and a half. It was 23 and a half this morning. I'm looking at the board now and I see 23, I see 22 and a half. I see a 21 and a half at Pinnacle. So this line's kind of all over the place, but the, the overriding story is there's money coming in on Kentucky. Do you believe in it? I don't. And what I said a week ago, and I was proven wrong with Alabama, I'm going to say with Georgia here, I think they deserve the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. And what Kentucky does well is they run the football well, and they've got a quarterback that they're not afraid to get physical with in the run game. Well, guess what they're not going to be able to do against Georgia? Will Levis is not running between the tackles against Georgia. I hate to break it to Kentucky fans. This is a good Kentucky team. I think this is a, a nine or 10 win team by the time it's all said and done. I really do. But I think the line is about right. I think if you made me on the spread, I would take Georgia in this game. The number that I really like is the over at 45. And I looked at the, this time I looked like an hour before we started. So if that's moved since then, then I don't know what's going on, but I had the over you, under. You can, there's 44 and a half out there. Okay. I would take that then, but I actually like, you talked about the team total over. I think Georgia may get there on their own in this game. And even if they don't, Kentucky will get some points late in that game. I do think they're capable of getting on the board once or twice, but I like the over the spread I think is about right. And, and I'll, I'll say again, I think this Georgia defense just deserves the benefit of the doubt and deserves everyone, everyone's respect until proven otherwise. I think you, I trust some of the other offenses that have gone up against Georgia already more than I would Kentucky's offense. And look at what they did to them, and they get them at home. So I would take, again, if you made me, I would take Georgia to cover in that game, even, if you, even at 23 and a half. But I really like the over. I am – this feels like the Arkansas game felt a couple yep. weeks ago. Like Kentucky's feeling good. They're flying high. They're, they're putting up a ton of points. Look at us. We're, we're, we're a – look, we beat Florida and LSU in football. We're – it's not basketball in a football match. We are beating our chests right now. And then you run into a different kind of animal. And Auburn was probably – the most versatile offensive look that Georgia has seen and they put up 10 points. And I've been doing ever since the Clemson game, 
what I've been doing is Georgia team total over. And it's it's undefeated, my friend. It's undefeated. Uh, there right now, you can get a thirty-four. I'm I'm on over thirty-four for Georgia. Um, the team total for Kentucky is ten and a half. I don't think they score more than ten points. I, I don't. So I, I to me, this number, it, it, it like the the Kentucky money coming in doesn't make sense to me. I don't know where this line's going to settle. I will have some on like that's less than 24. I'd love to see if it gets to a 21, which like I said, at Pinnacle right now, it's 21 and a half. I, I doubt that, that, it, that the market lets it get to 21, but if it does, I'm going to gobble it. Uh, but I'll, I'll probably end up playing this at 22, 22 and a half. I just think Georgia is a different level of team than Kentucky. I, I think that the, the gap between the, the best team in the country and the 11th best team is pretty great. And it, Kentucky's had a nice season so far. I don't know how they move the ball in this game. So I, my, my, my real play is going to be that team total over, but I, I'm, I'll probably be on some Kentucky minus the points too. And I may be on the Kentucky under, uh, because like I said, are they going to score more than, than Auburn did? Auburn's a better offensive team than Kentucky. Uh, so, and, and, I just can't see Kentucky going to Georgia and putting up a couple touchdowns. It just doesn't, it doesn't compute for me with what I've seen of Georgia so far. Yeah. Like I said, I think Georgia may get there on their own on the over for the game. So yeah, I would piggyback on that team toll over as well. All right, let's get into our best bets for the weekend. Give you guys a quick update. Uh, since we've been doing this show for three weeks now, um, we've been doing a three, two, one, one system. So our best bets are worth three points. Second best worth two, and then we've got a one star and a total that's worth one. And right now, I'm at 16, you're at 13, and all that's available is 21. So if we if you said go 500, that's 10 and a half points available so far. We're both doing we're both over 500, so we got to feel good about that at least. I'll and, take it. Well, especially after freaking. I don't want to talk about Virginia Tech anymore. I'm not even going to say anything else. <laughs> I I swept last week, uh, and this week was a, a bit of a disappointment uh, for me. Anyway, I, SMU minus thirteen and a half, and I this was doubly disappointing for me because I had over fifty five, and they were taking knees at the two yard line for for with the like last minute and a half of the game when they could have just run it in made it a two touchdown game gone over the total so I lost two bets because SMU decided to not run it up on the service academy not going to make that mistake again uh but then Wake Forest who it felt Syracuse gets a late touchdown to send it to overtime and then as soon as Syracuse got the ball first I said damn it but when you're the team you like to get you like to get the ball second because and Wake Forest has to play defense first because you want to see what you've got to go out there and get as your offense. So Syracuse gets a, a field goal, and I instantly said, oh, shit, this is dead because I, I knew Wake Forest was going to score. I knew it wouldn't cover my number at that point. I would have much rather Wake Forest gotten that touchdown first and then had Syracuse force them to try and score a touchdown. But alas, what are you going to do? But – Bailey Zappi got me there with the, uh, the the Western Kentucky over, and they have been a monster for me. If you're looking for overs, 
Western Kentucky is usually a pretty safe place to be. Your total, not not very close, my friend. Golly. You know, <laughs> that one I was so confident in because we make these picks on Tuesday night. And then uh, throughout the week, everybody that I respect and, and some of the people I follow on Twitter, some of the podcasts I listen to, I heard that was a popular pick. That under was the sexy under of the week. Everybody was taking Texas OU Give me the under. It's going to be a dog fight. And then I blink and 14 points have been scored. There's like 1330 <laughs> left on the, in the first quarter. And I was like, well, that was, that's great. That's a good start. And then at least I, you know, I got that Charlotte win on Friday night. That felt good. But then after that, Oregon state completely laid an egg on the road. I mean, Washington state, the, the lead up to that game was they were talking about how Washington state's head coach is trying to get a yeah. religious exemption to not have to get the COVID vaccine as a, as a Washington State employee, Oregon State still lays an egg. And then Virginia Tech, like I talked about, I mean, they had every opportunity under the sun to win that game, and they just could not figure. I mean, it, it, it was maddening sitting there watching. I could not imagine being a, a Virginia Tech fan watching that and giving one away to the Irish who had no business winning that game. Yeah, the other the other win that I came up with was uh, was Arkansas, which I was glad. That, you know, they went for two at the end of that game. I had Arkansas plus six. Please go for two. Get get, get this thing over with. So, uh, all right, let's make some money this week. What's your best bet for the week? What's your three star play? Yeah, you know this one, I, I jumped out to me because I didn't think either side. This felt like it should be closer to a pick 'em. I, I really like Kansas State getting six and a half at home against Iowa State. Kansas State traditionally has Iowa State's number. I mean, they've out of the last 13, Kansas State has won 11 of those games. And Iowa State is not who we thought they were going into this season. They got to go to Manhattan to play this game. It's going to be a night game. That's a tough place to play. Oklahoma really should have lost when they went up there. So I give me the Wildcats getting six and a half at home. Yeah, I don't hate that. I, I'm. I, I will say, boy, Brock Purdy in the month of October. I, I don't know if he's ever lost. So he's he's shaken off the early season rust. Uh, but I, I I tend to lean that way with you. I'm not I'm not ballsy enough to do it, but I tend to lean with you. I just don't know what Kansas State is, and it, like they're one of those teams that I, like I've seen them look really good. I've seen them. I mean, but then when that, when I thought they looked really good, it was them hanging with Oklahoma. Is that good? I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not really sure if I, if I'm if I'm crazy about this team or not. But I get I get where you're where you're coming from. I see I see a path to it. I'm just I'm scared of it to be honest. I get that, but again, I, I'm I'm leaning on playing in Manhattan for any Big Twelve team. That is a tough place to go play. And for two, three, and two teams, Iowa State lost on the road already to Baylor, who I think Baylor, that's a fine team, but I don't think they're that, – that loss to me surprised me. And especially knowing in the Big 12 North that Kansas State traditionally has their number, I yeah. just think six and a half is a lot to go in there and, and lay almost a touchdown. All right, my three-star is going to be Boston College plus three against North Carolina State. I, my power ratings, that's where this play just started, my power ratings. They're separated by a point and a half on a neutral, and I'm getting three at home with Boston College. And it, if you look at Boston College's 4-1 and one record, it pretty much means nothing because they've played basically nobody. 
but NC State may be in the same boat. Their their one their one loss is respectable. They lost by fourteen at Mississippi State, which at the time we thought, oh, everybody thought NC State was so great, and they they got beat by Mississippi State pretty handily. But their only decent win is a a double OT win at home against Clemson. And we don't know what Clemson is now. We certainly know they're not what we thought they were going to be or what it it looked like when they beat Clemson. Uh, So I I started digging into the numbers. And Boston College is the top team in the country at explosiveness on passing downs. And what's crazy about that is they've – they had to play half this season with a backup quarterback. Uh, Jerkovich is out, and they've not really missed a beat. Uh, their offensive line has been fantastic. Uh, all five of their starting offensive linemen rank 11th or better in the ACC by PFF grades. So at, at every left tackle, like the, the two tackles are both in the top 11, two guards are in the top 11, the center's in the top 11, and they are 50% passing success rate, good for 18th in the country. And again, most of these numbers come in with a backup quarterback in half these games. So uh, they're very explosive. They're, and, and on defense, they're top 10 in tackling. They're top 10 in coverage. They're coming off a bye week, which I think is big for Dennis Grossel to get some practice reps. So this is just a, a play for me on two teams that I think are pretty close to even. I'm going to take Boston College getting the field goal at home against North Carolina State. I like that because this will be a, a test. You talked about the explosiveness for BC in their passing game. This will be a test for that NC State defense. Can they travel against an offense like that? And, and BC, road teams, anytime it's a, 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 we talked earlier about Auburn, Anytime you're going up against a team that you feel like you're, you're pretty balanced, when you go on the road, especially in college football, that's always what tips the scales for me to the home team, and, and especially a Boston College team that's already proven they can win close. Um, a couple wins earlier in the season, I think the, you know, the Mizzou win doesn't look as good anymore, but still winning against an SEC team at home. So I like that pick. All right, what's your two-star, man? This, I'm, this is going to be – Based purely on the fact that I don't, again, talk about a team that isn't who we thought they were. I like Michigan State minus five at Indiana. I don't just Indiana to this point in the season has really struggled. And Penix is not fully healthy. I don't think he's I don't think near the player that he I don't think he's. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't think he's nearly the player he was last year. Um, but for Michigan State going through the list of the teams that they've beaten already and the spreads that they've done it by, with the exception of Nebraska, they tend to pull away late. And this really, I trust Kenneth Kenneth Walker and their their running attack against Indiana. I think they win this by more than a touchdown. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. This Michigan State defense is built to take advantage of where Indiana struggles, and that's on the line. Uh, They've got three defensive linemen who grade out as top 15 guys in the Big Ten. I mean, these are serious it, – It's it, they're serious uh, disruptors up front. And Indiana's offense is just so bad. It, 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 really, their yep. defense isn't great either, especially against the pass. Uh, and, and Peyton Thorne is actually – I mean, he, he's looking a lot better than I thought he was going to be coming into the season. 
Um, he had that game against Rutgers, zero turnover worthy plays. He's uh, Jalen Naylor, his, his number one receiver leads the nation in yards after the catch per reception. So I, I like your pick there. I'll probably be on Michigan state as well this week. My, yeah, again, uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, my, my two star is army plus 14. I made the mistake last week. I, I bet against a service Academy as a big underdog, which is normally it's against my rules because those teams are built to kind of not get blown out. This army Wisconsin game. I, I don't know if there will be 30 points scored in this game. And army is much better than Navy. First of all, I'm getting two full touchdowns in a game that's totaled at 39 points. And the first thing you look at when you say, okay, who, who's army playing? Okay. How does their, how does their opponent do against the run? Well, Wisconsin's very good at stopping the run. So that's normally what I would tick off the box, but I'm not going to do it here. Illinois got blanked by the Badgers last week. They, they put up 93 yards. Illinois did 26 yards on the ground. Wisconsin won time of possession in that game, 43 minutes to 17 minutes. That's not going to happen against army. And it's not like, it's not like Wisconsin blew the doors off Illinois either. I mean, they, it, that, that should have been way worse. Illinois, Wisconsin's offense is dreadful still. We've talked about it multiple times on this podcast. Graham Mertz stinks. He's bad. Fade Graham Mertz podcast. <laughs> yes. And, you know, Army, they, you're, you're buying low on Army right now. They're coming off their first loss of the season. They played Ball State basically even in the box score. Ball State had a 99-yard kickoff return to start the game, and Army was minus two in turnovers. That cost them the game. Okay, one thing I know about Graham Mertz, it's hard to have a negative turnover margin against Graham Mertz. Uh, even Illinois getting their ass kicked, they won the turnover battle two to nothing because okay. Graham Mertz will give you the football. I'll take the two touchdowns with Army here in a game that I think is going to be really, really low scoring. I, I think this might be like a 2014 type game. You already know how I feel about this one because <laughs> yeah. I texted you and told you I liked it. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm I, for all the reasons you just said. I think uh, I think Army could win this game. Ironically enough, but yeah, you're with where that over under is at. They're getting 14. Uh, yeah, I don't. That line stinks to me. So I'm with you on on Army. I'll give you my my one star pick. And I, this game fascinates me. I'm I'm excited to watch this game. I mean, it's going to be the late night special, Pac-12 after dark. It's moved down to a pick'em. I like Arizona State to beat Utah, and again, I know Utah coming off the win last week. They went down and smacked around USC, but you know, then again, so did Oregon State. They had a, a good win against Washington State. They lost earlier in the year to San Diego State, and if you if you watch Utah, every game for them for the most part is pretty close. They, they there's not a ton on offense to put people away. And I trust Arizona State, what they do on the offensive side of the ball more than I do against Utah, even in a hostile environment that they're going to face going to Utah. But I like and also some of what Arizona State, I think, on offense will present challenges to some of the things that I think Utah does best in their front seven specifically. So I like give me Arizona State and a pick them in this one. 
You know, I, I generally agree with you. I think Arizona State might be the best team in the Pac-12. Uh, I'm scared of what Utah is right now with Cam rising at quarterback. I think the best thing that happened to them was Charlie Brewer throwing a fit and and leaving and Cameron rising, taking over as the quarterback. He's been phenomenal. And they kind of, it's kind of like the, the, what we talked about with Texas, when they switched quarterbacks, the energy just kind of changed with that team. It feels like that's happened with Utah. Like they, they've got a a new, they, they look like a new team right now with him at quarterback. So I, I don't know how real it is, which is why I'll probably end up sitting this one out. Uh, if, if this were Charlie Brewer, well, a, I don't think we'd be talking about a pick them, but I'd be all over Arizona state. I, I just, I, I'm scared that Utah may have found the right guy and the rest of Utah's team is pretty solid. Like they, they should, they're underperforming already. So they, they should be better than they have been. I think, we may be seeing them round into form. So this is going to be a, a pass for me. I'm going to sit back and watch it, but it is, a, it is going to be a fun game to watch. Certainly. What's your, uh, what's your one star? Mine is another late nighter. Uh, I'm going to go in Nevada minus 14. And this just feels like a smash spot for the Wolf Pack. They've, they've got the best quarterback in the conference. Hawaii is dreadful on defense and it's a revenge spot for for Nevada after Hawaii gave them their their first loss of the season last year. Uh, Hawaii on the road's been pretty non-competitive outside a game at New Mexico State. And to put that in perspective, the the only team I have ranked worse than New Mexico State in the country is UConn. So Hawaii's coming off a big win over a Fresno team with a lot of similarities, really. Uh, you know, a, a a really strong quarterback uh who who can put up some big points and they won that game by three points in a game where they won the turnover battle six to one and they were down 14 points in the fourth quarter so i if you if you win the the turnover battle six to one and you win by three points i'm just gonna say there's maybe you weren't the better team maybe maybe some things just broke your way that night uh, I don't think, I, I don't think Nevada is going to turn it over six times. I think Hawaii on the road is just a different team, uh, and I think Nevada has a good home field advantage. I, I normally don't love playing the, the double digit favorites in, in these these late night West Coast games, but I just feel like they should be able to run and hide from this Hawaii team. What do you think? Yeah, I, the only reason I would be concerned if the, is if these these sites were flipped, but Hawaii on the road. I think is going to struggle. Um, and so I don't really, I've got no problem with that pick. All right. What's your total? You got to get off the schneid on the totals. Yeah, no kidding. I'll take UCF Cincinnati in the over. And, uh, and I'm really banking most of this on Cincinnati's ability <laughs> to get most of the way there. Uh, UCF gave up. I mean, when they lost to Navy, they lost to Navy. I cannot believe they lost that game. I don't know if there's points in that game. I don't know if there's a team that came into this season more dependent on one player than than Central Florida because as yeah. soon as as soon as Dylan Gabriel got hurt, he was it. He turned them. into a pumpkin. They're terrible. Yeah, yeah. They scored plenty on Louisville, and they scored plenty, obviously, on Navy in the loss. 
the one that concerns me a little bit is the slugfest that they got into with East Carolina. That was a fairly low scoring game. But again, I'm, I'm, this is more on Cincinnati's ability to score the football. I think they're going to get most of the way there. And UCF is competent enough on offense. I just thought anything, you know, that number to me, anything with a five in front of it was a little low for these two teams historically. And Cincinnati's going to get theirs. So I'll take team total over, no, sorry, not team total, the, the total over between UCF and Cincinnati at 58. Don't disagree with that at all. My total is Marshall, North Texas, and I'm kind of in, in the same boat as you. I'm counting on one team to do a lot of the scoring. Total sitting at 65 and a half right now. These teams are both top 10 in the country in tempo, so there's going to be plenty of plays. I just need North Texas to give me something. Uh, on defense, they're they're going to give me everything. They, they're 120th in coverage. They're 96th against the run. They're awful everywhere. And Marshall is 15th in offensive success rate. They're going to have their they're they're going to get their points. Grant Wells, he's got an opportunity to put up some numbers on a bad defense after looking uncharacteristically meh in the second half of last week's game against Old Dominion, which Marshall was barely able to pull out. Um, North Texas finally got some offense going last week against Mizzou of all teams. They've, they've been struggling against these crumb bum teams. They get an SEC team. Oh, look at us. We're going to put up 30 something finally. So I think maybe North Texas, who if last year was so good on offense, they brought a lot back from that team and we're like, all right, this should be a good offense again. No, they've been, they, they've been meh, but I think they, they may be finding something right now. Uh, they're going to be chasing because Marshall is going to put up a ton of points, I think. So I, I, I hope North Texas returns to last year's form. I'm going to go Marshall, North Texas over 65 and a half. Well, I'm with you in large part because of what you said on North Texas will give you everything. Um, that <laughs> is one of the worst teams in, I think, what's going to ultimately be the worst conference in college football. And Marshall's competent enough I think similar to my reasoning for Cincinnati I think Marshall will get you most of the way there by themselves um so you know we go into this feeling pretty good about I, I like most of your picks it sounds like you like most of mine which means we're probably doomed but you know um I uh, yeah I gotta get off the schneid on these on the totals yeah listen I mean it's a it's a long season my friend uh I, I think we got plenty we got plenty of winners so far we're doing just fine I think everything's gonna be okay uh, and listen, if you suck again, I'll just keep carrying you. It's no big deal. <laughs> I can always count on you, AJ. <laughs> All right, Taylor. Appreciate it, man. Uh, good luck to you guys. And let's hope we have some winners when we come talk to you next week. Take care.